Welcome to Streamageddon, the podcast where we try and fail to watch everything. My name is Chris Barlow, and I am joined by my co-host across the internet, Diane Nora. Hello, Diane. Hi, Chris. So, this week is our first episode, spoiler alert, and so we want to get right into some exciting news. It is um, earnings season, which is every TV viewer's favorite season. Uh, but later in the show, we're going to get to our main event, where we are going to review a show and help you decide if you should watch it. And again, spoiler alert, we do not think you should watch this show. <laughs> I mean, I think some people should watch this show. That's fair. Some people should watch basically every show. That is the, the purpose of the, the streaming universe is there's a show for everyone. That's true. That's true. I mean, I don't think it's, well, let's save the review for review time. We'll get there. We'll get there. But first, it really was an incredibly busy couple of weeks for streaming news. And so we're going to get straight to the news. That's how you know it's a news segment. And to get started with our news this week, we're going to talk about Netflix. Do you like Netflix? I love Netflix. I think Netflix is my preferred streaming platform wow okay preferred number one i think so it's the easiest i think to navigate and they have some shows i really enjoy those are basically the two prerequisites for being a good streaming <laughs> platform so you, you're on to something there you you might be right uh they have a lot going for them they are kind of the og streaming platform of course and if we look at the uh, top streamed shows of 2021 which is a report that came out from nielsen uh, Netflix has many of them, shocker. Uh, you might think, you might think the top stream show of 2021 was Squid Game. That is what I thought until I read the news. The news in The Hollywood Reporter uh, revealed that no, no, Squid Game was up there uh, in the category of originals. Squid Game was number two behind Lucifer, which I had to be reminded is a streaming original because in my mind it's a CW show that ended years right. ago. But it turns out, no, it went to Netflix. It's it's actually quite a big hit on Netflix. And it uh, edged out Squid Game basically for two reasons. Uh, there are more episodes, so there's more hours sure. of it to watch, right? And Squid Game, we have to remember, came out pretty late in the year. So Lucifer just had a leg up. I think if Squid Game had come out earlier in 2021 it, it actually might have beat out lucifer the number was close that is kind of amazing since squid game only has the one season yeah it's actually that that speaks to what a sensation squid game was and still is as they promise more squids mm -hmm. and more games uh, but neither of those uh, hold a candle to the number one streamed show of 2021 the, it's a difference of about 26 million, I think, between uh, Lucifer and Criminal Minds, a little show called Criminal Minds. Is this just boomers? Well, is it all of us? What's going on? I, I, I'd like <laughs> to think it is. Criminal Minds. It is both boomers and all of us, because speaking for myself, I love a good crime procedural. The wackier, the better sometimes. And Criminal Minds is nothing if not absolutely absurd. And it's very watchable. Yeah, it's great background TV. I mean, my, my procedural of choice is anything in the law and order oeuvre. But I get it. Mm. I get Criminal Minds appeal. My, and to the boomer side, my mom loves Criminal Minds. She loves the Mandy Patinkin era. She loves the post-Mandy Patinkin era. She just loves the serial killers and their games. 
I think that we're a Dick Wolf family, but uh, I, I respect the Criminal Minds watch, you know. I, I am a big Dick Wolf family as well. It's true. It's true. Uh, but that is a really interesting number for Netflix to get because Criminal Minds does stream on Netflix, not Paramount Plus, which is the streaming service uh, owned by CBS, which was, of course, where Criminal Minds actually aired on TV. How did that happen? That is the question. How did they let that happen? (laughs) That is the question we are going to ask several times during the course of this episode, Diane. Uh, (laughs) In the case of Criminal Minds, this was, you know, an older show in a lot of ways. It's not that old, but it's old enough that at the time, uh, CBS All Access wasn't really a big service. CBS All Access is what became Paramount+. And so CBS saw more money in licensing it uh, to streaming. Mm. And uh, they did that a lot for a while. We'll talk more about that. But now they feel a little bit of Criminal Minds envy, I think. And so uh, reports are they're working on a Criminal Minds reboot, rebooting a show that only ended like two years ago, uh, to go straight to Paramount+. Plus. Okay. Well, I'll probably watch it, so... (laughs) Yeah, I gotta say, you know, it's not a bad idea. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't hate it. And I gotta be honest, when I read this report, I thought, you know, I could put on some criminal minds in the background. Mm -hmm. That's not Mm -hmm. a bad idea. I mean, it's bad for the soul, but it's it's heartwarming at the same time. Right. Something about the fact that it can be wrapped up in that like 52 minutes. Yeah, if only very satisfying. All all problematic serial killers could be wrapped up in about 52 minutes. It'd be a great world to live in. It would be a world full of serial killers. To be clear, there are so many serial <laughs> killers in the Criminal Minds universe, but they all get taken care of in a pretty efficient fashion. Mm-hmm. So that's Netflix news number one. Number one, there's more Netflix news. We just have to keep barreling through Netflix news because Netflix also had their earnings report and uh, they missed their subscriber growth numbers by, by a tiny, tiny amount. And the stock market acted as if Netflix mm. said, we are going back to shipping DVDs only. There's, <laughs> stock lost like 20% of its value. So how do they recover from that? Well, it's interesting. I, mm-hmm. I, I've heard many different takes on this at this point. And mm. uh, one popular take is that Netflix stock was just overvalued. It, they are, sure. cons- you know, they, they've been grouped together with tech stocks for a while, and they are ultimately a media company. What do they do? They make and deliver media. Uh, they, mm. they certainly began as a tech startup. Uh, and they, of course, like we said before, OG streamer. But at the same time, what makes Netflix different than HBO Max at this point? Right, right. Be- besides the app working a lot better. But HBO so Max much is... much better. HBO Max is working on that, to their credit. They are actively uh, improving that. So, again, in terms of just what do they do fundamentally, they both make and deliver content for your eyeballs. And they both have really good catalogs at this point. Right. And the fact, the fact that Netflix got their first doesn't really help them at this point exactly and you know most media companies like uh warner well they're currently owned by at&t but but you know warner comcast they they aren't in the same stratosphere that netflix stock was so some Mm -hmm. of this could just be a correction and okay if that's the case uh the other factor is that netflix uh, predicted slower growth than expected at the beginning of this year. They don't see a lot of big projects, Squid Game level projects, attracting new viewers, new subscribers, especially in the U.S. and Canada, where they're pretty saturated, uh, in the beginning of 2022. 
I thought this timing for them to announce that was interesting because it came right after our third big Netflix story. Netflix raised their prices. Oof. That's that's what everyone's been with. The shoe that you, as soon as you heard me say Netflix story, mm. I'm sure you, dear listener, thought they're going to talk about the price hike, aren't they? And here we finally are. My, my conspiracy theory is they announced the price hike right before the earnings call in a hope to kind of soften the blow, to tell investors, we know our growth is slowing down, but we are going to squeeze more money out of each individual subscriber. And, I mean, they're going to squeeze from me. I'm going to do it. Well, that, you right? just answered my question, Diane. You're going <laughs> to stick with Netflix? <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially now that they have Seinfeld, that is my probably my number one viewing, um, repeat viewing engagement. So I think there's no, yeah, and I, and I like some of their originals too. It would have to be more than the marginal hike to make me drop it. At yeah, this and and I think you know notably the hike for the the main tiers, the the basic tier and the middle tier, they weren't huge. Uh, the middle mm-hmm. tier, which is kind of the standard tier, went from fourteen dollars a month to fifteen fifty. So we're talking a buck fifty a month. Uh, on the high end, the four K tier went from seventeen ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine. So so at most, it went up two dollars a month. And they're 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 predicting most people are going to absorb that. Yeah, I mean, well, also part of the streaming subscription issue is you kind of forget that you're paying for them at some point too. Yes. So if they send you this notification, it's like, okay, keep charging me. Sure. That actually, Am I going to check every month that it is now 19 instead of 17? You know? Well, I saw on Twitter uh, actually today as uh, before we recorded, people are beginning to get the email notification from Netflix that their next month's bill is going to be slightly higher. And so I, I did notice one tweet I want to read to you. This was... Uh, in my corner of Twitter, known as Weird Theater Twitter, uh, where Adam Simkowitz, uh, he, he is in Weird Theater Twitter with me, uh, he mm-hmm. tweeted a screenshot of the email, and I just love how the email is phrased. The subject line is, we're updating our prices, here's why. And then you open the email, and it says, updating prices to bring you more. That's why, to bring you more. And uh, Adam's tweet, which I think is the question, is, uh, Netflix, I don't need more. I already have too much to watch and not enough time to watch. And that is the question for some people. I already do know people in my life who are planning on maybe canceling Netflix for a while, see if they miss it. Or in one case, I I have a, a friend and his wife who are going to cancel Netflix to use their parents' subscription. They're actually moving backwards from their own <laughs> subscription back to their parent subscription. And Netflix, to their credit, has not cracked down on password sharing ever. And they show no interest in it still. I, you know, knock on wood that that keeps up because I think, I don't I I want everyone to be able to see all the shows so we can talk about them. It's not going to be fun if people aren't watching. <laughs> I mean, there are so many shows that I have continued to watch because uh, Weird Twitter was talking about them. And I think it, I would feel sad if it got to the point where, like, there were people who only watched one streaming service. Yeah, that's the question is, as now we have... You know, Netflix at fifteen fifty, HBO Max at fifteen dollars. The Disney bundle, if you do that, is about fourteen. 
never mind the the other players like Paramount Plus, Showtime, Amazon. How many of those will you have? And will you be able to have like a, an old fashioned water cooler conversation with your friends if they don't have the same services as you? Oh, no, I can't bear it. <laughs> I can see the pain in your face. This is stressing you out. I mean, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, we we need a, a, a big stimulus so that everyone can have all the streaming services we need. That's right. We need a stimulus it's just another... for streaming, a streaming stimmy. Yeah, please. Save the arts, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's what's happening in the Netflix corner of the universe. It'll be interesting to see how their subscriber numbers uh, in the U.S. fare next quarter, see if they really take a hit on the price hike or not. We really won't know until we hear about their next uh, results. But they are not the only streaming service. Uh, Unfortunately, there are many other streaming services. And that brings us uh, to a streaming service we're going to talk a lot about tonight, Peacock. Peacock, here we go. Okay, so I have a question. Do you have a favorite streaming service since we pivoted from Netflix? Oh, is it? I, well, right. I, listen, my favorite changes. It's seasonal. It's day to day. I wake up and I feel uh, Hulu one day, or or lately, mm-hmm. I feel a big affinity for HBO Max. HBO Max has Good. so many shows I love and so mm-hmm. many new shows. I, I will honestly say I was skeptical of um, the the branding HBO Max. And then HBO mm. being a sub-brand. And what's an HBO show? And what's what's an HBO Max show? Uh, I, I didn't watch some of the Max shows initially because I thought, well, those must be the lesser shows. Sure. Uh, but but, but you, no. you watch an episode of Hacks, and you tell me Hacks is not an HBO-quality show. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Same. And I, I'm a proselytizing Hacksist. Hacksist. <laughs> yeah. So no, uh, I gotta say HBO Max absolutely top of the the pack for me. So where would you put Peacock? In oh your boy! Is it, have you ever had a day where you were like first thing Peacock? Oh, this is my Peacock morning. I <laughs> I, I will say Peacock has grown on me. Uh, you know, in the old uh, Thirty Rock days, there was a period of time where NBC branded themselves We Peacock Comedy. It was kind of like We Heart Comedy, <laughs> but we peacock comedy and this this predated them coming up with peacock the service but it was so absurd of course jack donaghy claimed credit for it on 30 rock because of course we peacock comedy and Mm. it turns out they do peacock comedy that is (laughs) that is their brand they came full circle we're just living in a in an endless 30 rock episode these days uh and they're i i like the comedy lineup on peacock i like some of their originals rutherford falls is um a really good uh, not hilarious show, but but like a very thoughtful comedy, and there aren't that many network thoughtful comedies uh, on TV these yeah. days. And Girls Five Eva, I love Girls Five Eva. I also I did enjoy Rutherford Falls, but I only watched the first two episodes because those were probably um, the only two that you could watch for free. Exactly, exactly. Ah, I know Peacock. <laughs> um. But Girls 5 Eva I did enjoy and, and binged. Yeah, so I, I think they're building a really good uh, catalog there. And mm. that brings us to Peacock's big earnings and subscriber numbers, which came out from Comcast uh, this past week. And they are interesting, to, to say the least. You and I mm. both looked at these. Uh, yeah. Pe- 
peacock grew enormously. However, they are still in the um, let's light a giant pile of cash on fire phase of their growth. Like losing a billion dollars? Uh, 1.7 billion in 2021. Whew. That's a large number of, of dollars. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's on, I'm looking at my notes here, a revenue of 778 million. So they basically l- lost uh what almost two and a half what? times yeah what they what they made and they plan on losing more. This was the big takeaway from this is they expect to actually right. lose even more in 2022 up to 2.5 billion as they continue to invest in more programming to gain subscribers. So is that a good investment then to keep doing original content? I mean, we both write, so I've I, I'm a fan. So making I'm more a shows. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> My official stance is hire us and also uh, I would like but, some of the two point five billion, please. Sure. Sure. I could lose some of that more efficiently than the next guy. Totally. Eventually, so that so that they think that they will hit a number then of subscribers where this becomes profitable yeah the thought the thought process is that at some point this will actually be a net positive but but when mm. will that be unknown big question mark and that's for every level of peacock oh overall i'm so, I'm so glad you ask about the, the levels of peacock because there are just so many levels of peacock yeah that that's overall for peacock but one of the uh, things I found most interesting about uh, their earnings report is they basically admitted that the free tier is a dud. Uh, and, and if you're not familiar with Peacock, if, you're, if you don't Peacock comedy the way we Peacock comedy, <laughs> uh, Peacock uh, being the weird offshoot of a network, of a, TV, a classic TV network, they, they did what all the classic TV networks have done and approached streaming in the most backwards fashion I can imagine. Uh, and so, of course, they have three tiers, one of which is free and ad-supported, which you would think, well, isn't that just like NBC? No, because the free ad-supported tier only has some episodes of some shows and then all episodes of other shows, but there's not really a lot of rhyme or reason to, like, which shows can you watch every episode of and which shows can you only watch some episodes of. In the case of The Office when they launched, you could watch some of the seasons but not all of the seasons. And so at a certain point, I was on the free Peacock tier initially, and I tapped out pretty quickly because I got like two episodes into the Saved by the Bell reboot, which is meta and goofy. And during the pandemic, who didn't want meta and goofy? But then I couldn't watch more of them. And I had no clue what other shows where I'd run into the same paywall. It turns out a lot of people feel that way. Mm. So I have this issue, too, with uh, Parks and Rec which they had three free seasons and then you had to pay, which, I mean, the show really starts getting good at three. They you know, know. they know. They they know. So they, they get you hooked on that, like, sweet Indiana goodness, and then you just want to keep going. And I was talking to a friend about it, and she was like, oh, I hate this because on Netflix it was free. And I was like, no, you were paying for it. <laughs> you were paying for Netflix. Like, they've just tricked you into thinking it was free. Really, it check your bank account. <laughs> they, they've been taking thirteen ninety nine now fifteen forty nine a month from you this whole Oof. time. 
but I'm you know speaking of uh, it's free in quotation marks. There's mm-hmm. this uh, next tier of Peacock, the Peacock Premium tier, which is five dollars a month, ad supported still, so you're paying and watching ads. But mm. if you are a Comcast subscriber uh, for Comcast Cable or Xfinity or another Comcast-owned uh, cable brand, you get Peacock Premium for free. So some people have that free, in quotation marks, uh, experience with Peacock. And I I figured this out over the holidays because I I went to visit my parents who have Xfinity. Mm. And they Peacock comedy because (laughs) the Peacock app is built into their cable box. What? Yeah, we we went to watch something on Peacock and I turned on their Apple TV and they did not have the Peacock app. And I said, what, why did you tell me to open up Peacock? You don't have it. And they went, why are you using the Apple TV? Peacock is in the the cable remote and they picked up this crazy looking cable remote and they pushed this giant glowing blue button in the middle of their, you know, like mutant cable remote and screamed, Mm. Peacock. They just shouted, Peacock. At the the cable remote. And what did it do? It launched this very rudimentary Peacock app on their their TV. But it had had the shows. It had the content. And we We are living in Jack McDonaghy's dream. Truly. Truly we are. Uh, And and you know what? That that ease of use has uh, helped them bridge the gap. Whereas I cannot tell you how hard it has been to get them into HBO Max. Because it is Mm. a, a mental jump for them uh, they know hbo as you know 11 p.m on sunday john oliver and we turn the the cable to the channel where that airs and to explain to them that now it's an app with a different name that they are already paying for they did not they did not believe me when i said we are already paying for this that that level of friction has been a mm-hmm. challenge for some of the other streamers uh, but for Peacock, they have this built-in audience through Comcast and Xfinity. And so in the earnings call, we found out that uh, there's 7 million highly engaged, whatever that means, uh, Peacock users who come directly from their cable subscription. And that those people are showing a lot of traction in Peacock. And the, the execs at Comcast are hoping to convert those people into paid Peacock subscribers on, yes, the third tier, because there are three tiers to the Peacock pyramid scheme. And the mm-hmm. highest tier is, of course, called Peacock Premium Plus, which is no. a name that makes me want to cry. Uh, and Peacock Premium Plus is $10 a month, no ads. Or if you have Comcast or Xfinity or one of those cable packages... $5 a month on top of your existing cable package, like an old-fashioned cable upsell. So I think I would prefer that system coming back where you can, like, just add something you want to your package instead of having 10,000 packages we're paying for. But I know uh, it's, I mean, it, many people have said this in, in the last couple of years, the bundle looks attractive again. It does. It really does. So for, okay, so Comcast, I know... You were saying your folks have it, and that's in Chicago. Is there an equivalent in New York? Is there Comcast? We have Spectrum. No, we have we have Spectrum and Optimum out here. This mm. is ironically the home of the Peacock is not a place that is Peacock friendly. Uh, so if you want Peacock out here, you're either paying for a kind of Peacock Premium, or you're logging in with someone else's Comcast uh, subscription. 
I'm just going to keep rewatching those same two episodes of Rutherford Falls. Yes, that's correct. It's the first two. They're great. It's all, it's fantastic. They are does, charming. Does the story go anywhere? Who cares? It's Ed Helms. <laughs> uh, the other interesting thing that you sent me about Peacock is they revealed that they've got bonkers numbers on wrestling. I never would have thought of that because I am not much of a wrestling viewer to be honest i think it's like the only thing on television that i don't watch but the numbers don't lie three million peacock subscribers are watching wwe and more than half of them said that that's why they're watching peacock so yeah and uh peacock uh also paramount plus but peacock notably has been getting into live weekend football uh, football okay. that's airing on NBC is now simulcast on Peacock, uh, some of the games. And that is another play where they're hoping you come for the sporting event that you are obsessed with, whether that's wrestling mm-hmm. or football, or they keep hoping it'll be the Olympics, but the Olympics keep doing them wrong. Uh, they really want you to come for that. And then, mm-hmm. oh, when that's over, you see that The Office is there or Parks and Rec. Or you check out this Rutherford Falls because that Ed Helms man, he's so funny. And then you're hooked into the Peacock universe. It's not a bad system. I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of like the old days of how did you end up watching this show? Well, I just didn't get up to change the channel. Yeah, you know, they they really are kind (laughs) of aiming for that in a way. And I I, Mm -hmm. I also say to Peacock's credit, they're doing some creative stuff around trying to make streaming a little more mindless like classic TV. There are some Mm -hmm. sections in Peacock where you can essentially just watch a channel of fill in the blank, like a channel of office episodes. You don't need to pick an office episode. It's just playing them like a playlist. Uh, and that that is appealing to me as somebody who has a lot of choice anxiety, especially when I'm looking for something that's kind of filler. When I'm not looking for a specific show, I'm just looking for something to put on in the background. Sure. And honestly, it kind of sounds like sitting on your, like, looking at TikTok for you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just like scrolling through mindlessly. <laughs> like yeah. you can just tell me what I want to see. Please, please, I don't want to make any more decisions. It's too hard. Curatorial uh, exhaustion. It's real. Uh, the other final, I think, really interesting thing that came out of that Peacock uh, earnings report is they got a question about Hulu. Because if you don't know, and now I'm, I'm so sad I have to explain this to you, um, Hulu was the, like, um, demon spawn summoned uh, when uh, Fox, Disney, and NBC all had a seance in 2007. And at the time, none of them had their own streaming service. And so they came together to form this unholy alliance called Hulu. And Hulu has miraculously survived, like, almost two decades of streaming uh, shenanigans and in the process fox has been purchased out by disney and so now disney Mm -hmm. is the majority holder of hulu and and disney is going all in on hulu the disney bundle is disney plus hulu and espn plus and they're making a big play on that and and to their credit i think they they're they're branding hulu pretty well hulu is grown-up disney plus uh it's where you get fx it's where you get your racy shows, your Handmaid's Tales, uh, your Atlantas. And that's working for them. I think I originally downloaded Hulu on January 1st, 2015. 
2015, maybe 2016. I think it was 2015 because it was the day that Seinfeld came to streaming. Yes. Uh, and it was a magical day for me. Um, I hardly left the house for days. I think it was just like that, a... that when I when I was wistfully remembering my old days where I would wake up and go today is a Hulu day. Those were the Seinfeld on Hulu days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, that deal ended and NBC right. seemingly has no ability to hang on to their best IP. Uh, they, they did not create Seinfeld. To, you know, th- this was a different era of TV, the 90s, where they were just the, the network it aired on. Uh, so Seinfeld is now over on Netflix. But in the meantime, Hulu has done a really good job of establishing kind of a new brand for itself. The weird mm. thing is, it's also the streaming service where you can watch last night's episode of Law & Order SVU or this week's Saturday Night Live, a day after it aired on NBC. And it really undercuts the value proposition of Peacock if you don't right. need Peacock to Peacock the comedy that is Saturday Night <laughs> Live or Mariska Hargitay uh, investigating sex crimes. And so this question came up, and uh, finally, I think uh, Comcast said what everybody already thought, which is, yeah, they're not going to keep doing that forever. And they do want to bring their uh, shows back over to Peacock and make Peacock the destination for that, uh, like next day airing. Now, how quickly will that happen? I'm sure it's wrapped up in a lot of licensing agreements, and it's wrapped up in the fact that like NBC is a partial owner of Hulu. And so they don't want to walk away from it. They own part of it. Is Disney going to buy them out? And if so, who, you know, that's going to be a negotiation. Uh, mm. it, it's a really complicated deal. And I'm sure Disney does not have any interest in rushing it. Because what Disney, basically the way it is right now, Disney is the majority owner. And they get nothing but benefit from the fact that when I miss SVU, I can watch it the next day on Hulu. And then at the end of the episode, maybe I flip over and watch something from FX, like what we do in the shadows. But they didn't announce a timeline for when that will when that absorption happens. No, no, they were very vague about it. And I think that's on purpose because, you know, if they're going to get bought out, they want Hulu to be valuable so that Disney has to pay more to buy them out of their, their share. And so okay. to say we're pulling out prematurely, it, oh boy, that's kind of an Afghanistan situation. You're just inviting, <laughs> you're inviting the collapse. And so I think what we're going to see is a, a very gradual pullback uh, unless they can strike a deal with Disney to pull out quickly. So, but then and would Hulu remain in the Disney bundle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, I am positive what we're going to see is Disney become the total owner of Hulu. Um, okay. They, Disney wants Hulu to be the adult brand. And that way, for families that don't want Hulu, Disney Plus alone is really cheap still. But for most people who want more adult programming, you Disney Plus alone doesn't have a lot of adult programming, but you do want it for the Marvel shows or the Star Wars shows. There's a few things you want Disney Plus for. And then right. bundling it with Hulu makes you feel like you're getting a better deal because you're like, great, I'm getting my Mandalorian, but I'm also getting all of these cool effects shows, these Hulu originals, uh, the stuff that I want, the, the grown-up stuff I want to see. Right. I actually pay for Hulu through Spotify, which is a whole... That I is bizarre. What? I don't know why they did it, but I was like, are you sure this is real? Someone sent it to me years ago, and I was like... Uh, okay, I guess I'll only pay for one of them. And it's less than $10 a month for Hulu and Spotify. I feel like a criminal. That is, that is so I weird. really use that content. 
It's so um, weird. That'll probably have to end at some point, too. They must not be making money on that anymore. Well, I'm like, who's losing the money there? Is Disney losing the money there? Or is Spotify paying Disney? I just, I, I'm so confused by that arrangement. I have a fantasy that they're taking the money directly from Joe Rogan. Oh, I would and, love uh, that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's what I choose to believe. Thank you. I'm going to live with that truth. You're welcome. Wow. This, is, this has been a journey through the news. And, <laughs> and I, I, I want to bring us back to Peacock. Because we were talking about Peacock and... We Peacock Peacock. We Peacock Peacock. And and Peacock happens to be the streaming home of the show that we watched to review this week. And so uh, without further ado, I am going to gracefully transition us with a little sound of a show called Yellowstone. I'm going to be honest, it feels like it could be the theme song of almost any TV show set in the West or the past or Hogwarts. Yeah, if you told me that that was the Gilded Age theme song, I'd be like, yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) It feels really period appropriate. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, We're here to talk about Yellowstone this week. And uh, before we get into what we think of the show, uh, some of our listeners, perhaps, will be going, Yellow Jackets? I've heard it's great. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, my friend. We're talking about Yellowstone. Uh, Yellowstone is the most popular show on television right now. Uh, the most popular show on cable. Uh, and I realize you're like, what, what is cable? Okay, okay I understand. Uh, this is a show that airs on something called the Paramount Network. Stay with me, please. The Paramount Network is not Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus is a streaming service. The Paramount Network is a cable television channel that when I was a child was called Spike TV. All of those James Bond marathons. It really is. It's, it just It is so many weird uh, memories that I wish I didn't have of the 90s. And uh, the, at some point, they, they ended the Spike TV brand. And Viacom, Viacom, the owner of the Paramount Network, uh, rebranded it the Paramount Network because everybody just loves Paramount. Uh, and the Paramount Network primarily airs movies, so much so that this is kind of hot off the presses. The Paramount Network was going to be rebranded the Paramount Movie Network. This was in the works to happen this year. And uh, just a couple days ago, Deadline reports that they have backed out of that plan because Yellowstone is a success. And even though the network basically airs nothing but movies, Yellowstone has been such a hit that they don't want to abandon the brand of the Paramount Network anymore. And so they're going to continue to air a bunch of movies, but they're going to keep calling it the Paramount Network because the Paramount Network is home of Yellowstone. And Yellowstone now has these other properties. There's 1883. And there's the mayor of Easttown, not to be confused with the mayor... Uh, I'm sorry, this is going to No, take... it's not. <laughs> There's the mayor of somewhere, which is not the same as mayor of Easttown, who I, I adore. This is a mayor, not a mayor. The mayor of Kingstown, Kingstown. So we have Yellowstone, 1883, mayor of Kingstown, not to be confused with uh, mayor of Easttown, which aired on HBO Max, my favorite streaming platform, by the way. Uh, 
all of this spawning out of the rabid success of Yellowstone. I just, I, I want to quote a number here. Uh, Yellowstone just had its season four finale. Season four finale hit a series high of 9.3 million total viewers, up 81% from the season three finale. And that number makes it the most watched episode of cable tv since the season eight premiere of the walking dead in 2017 so the most watched episode of tv in about four and a half years since that kind of that peak of the walking dead Mm. is the season four finale of yellowstone a show that when i have told multiple people i'm going to do an episode (laughs) about they have said i've never heard of it and that is because you and i live in new york that's that might be we are yeah. not the target demographic for this show my friends <laughs> oh well i was telling my parents who as i mentioned before live in chicago uh, that we were doing this and they said oh like and they didn't know the show but they were like oh like you know like a bunch of people in my dad's family had recommended it to them you know and it's also it's it's not it's Kevin Costner. I right. mean, there's star power behind this. Show thing. stars Kevin Costner. There is serious boomer recognition there. Hell, there, there's there's all ages recognition. Who doesn't love a Kevin Costner? I mean, probably the Gen Zs. They probably <laughs> don't know who he is. They probably they look don't. at him and go, Michael Keaton? Were you Batman? <laughs> uh, that's Robert Pattinson. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. So we have uh, Yellowstone. That's where we are. On the Paramount Network. I'm going to try to keep this together. The Paramount Network is not Paramount+. Plus. Yellowstone streams on Peacock. I said it would all come back to Peacock because I'm going to just have to go way back here. In the 50s, Mm. there was a thing called CBS. And CBS uh, had to make a separate division for syndicating TV shows back when syndication, like uh, selling the rights to air a show... Uh, in reruns or during the day when that was a new concept and so they created an arm of their business for syndication that arm of the business eventually became named Viacom this was an arm of CBS then they split off and became their own company and in the rise of cable in the 80s Viacom acquired a bunch of networks like MTV at the same time CBS continued to do whatever CBS was doing this whole time, airing episodes of 60 Minutes and, uh, I assume, Criminal Minds, which I imagine began airing in 1978 because it has so many seasons. <laughs> so uh, they, they were separate for a while. For a while, the government mandated they be separate. There, there was a law. I, I, I did some research, I'm going to admit. There was a law that said that a, a network like CBS could not own a syndication company like Viacom. That law is gone, like so many uh, competition laws. And so uh, in 2000, CBS and Viacom remarried and became a new CBS, with Viacom basically being the the cable division of CBS, cable and syndication. Uh, And so CBS and Viacom were one. Once again, beautiful story. Until 2006, when they separated again, like like a troubled J-Lo, Ben Affleck relationship. Uh, together, separate, you just you want to root for them, but there's a lot of tension. And so CBS and Viacom split up, and uh, they, they were separate for quite a while. And during that time, streaming began to happen. And CBS mm-hmm. got interested in streaming, and they created something called CBS All Access, which, what a catchy name. It didn't have plus or max in it. In hindsight, it was such a great name, so original. 
And he should have done CBS Premium Plus. It must have been taken. Well, that's why it wasn't a successful name. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Viacom, they did not do streaming, like, at all. Viacom went to their, like, syndication roots, and they were like, we, we sell content. We are, we are a middleman. We are a content mill, and we will just uh, take the whatever money you want to give us for our content. And so Viacom, which owned Paramount by this point... Viacom made the Paramount Network, and then they licensed the streaming rights for everything on the Paramount Network, which it turns out is not very much. But they licensed the streaming rights for all sorts of shows, for South Park and Comedy Central properties. Every network that Viacom owned, just it was an open auction to uh, send those streaming rights to the highest bidder, uh, which to the head honchos, I guess, at Viacom made a ton of sense. Uh, However, it did not make sense for the people at CBS who then merged with Viacom to become Viacom CBS in 2019. I, I just, you cannot write a more confusing story uh, of how these companies separated and came back together over and over and over again. And that is how CBS All Access became Paramount Plus because they wanted to absorb all the brands and become one. However, all of these uh, content deals from the Viacom era, they, they still exist, and uh, it would cost them a lot to get out of them. So Yellowstone belongs to Peacock for the, the foreseeable future when it comes to streaming rights. That's how we wound up with the spinoffs, 1883 and Mayor of Kingstown. <laughs> I gotta really focus when I say that one. Because, well, I, I'm sure they wanted to do spinoffs anyway with the success of Yellowstone, but they wanted stuff to put on Paramount Plus from the Yellowstone family. They want people to go to Paramount Plus. The problem is they've licensed out all the good Paramount Plus content. They did the same thing overseas with uh, Star Trek Discovery and a lot of the new Star Treks because th- they didn't they didn't have CBS All Access overseas. And so they said, sell it out. Just give it to whoever wants it. And now they're launching Paramount Plus overseas, and they're like, no, 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 no. We want it back. We want it back. Give it back. A lot of just uh, regrets there. I, you know, they, they're trying, I guess. They're, I mean, they're trying. I, it seems like they also did not expect this massive success, right? I, I think they very much did not expect the massive success of Yellowstone, especially when you consider that they really were about to rebrand the Paramount Network, Paramount Movies. The other fun fact I learned there is um, the Paramount Network was the network that ordered Emily in Paris. And they, they were like, we're not really that into doing series anyway. We're going to give it up. And, and that's how Emily in Paris wound up on Netflix. But for a moment, there could have been a period of time where Emily in Paris and Yellowstone, a gritty uh, Western... <laughs> would have aired on the same network. Which the is world's just, widest network. I, I mean, that is a big tent. That is a network that says everybody's welcome. I, I do think also, though, that Emily in Paris, even though it's about a young woman, also appeals to a similar demographic as Yellowstone. In a way, I think you're right. And I think that's a great time for us to talk about Yellowstone, the show itself. We, it has taken us such a long journey to get here, perhaps even more meandering than an episode of Yellowstone. Certainly not more meandering than the pilot of Yellowstone, what a, what which a, is 90 minutes long. It's literally what a great place to start. I, I have a lot of notes from, from watching the pilot in particular because I didn't know how long it would keep going on, and so I just kept taking more notes. And at some point, I did just write in all caps, oh my god, this pilot is so long. Why? Why is this pilot so long? It is a movie with no ending. Well, and Taylor Sheridan 
to his credit, who is the creator of the show, writer, director, uh, at, has had a successful film career. Yeah, and, and it, it is a very filmic show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, in a way, I'm like, I if you told me this was a, you know, two-hour movie, the vibe and the pace and the tone would, would make a lot more sense. But instead, it is the story of the Dutton family who own America's largest contiguous ranch. That's how it's described on the show. In mm. Montana, near Yellowstone, and near Native American Reservation. And uh, they deal with the complicated politics and family drama, kind of like succession. But what if succession was somehow boring? Yeah, I mean, it. I it's similar to succession in that you're dealing with a succession plot, right? Where like you Literally. have people vying for, you know, who's going to take control of the company. And you have these uh, greedy sort of good-for-nothing children on both shows, Um, uh, however we may be endeared to them, um, you know, who uh, seem to be, you know, vying for their father's affection and also power uh, and largesse. Yes. But beyond those similarities, to me, this is not a succession parallel. Like, I I see why people would go there, but wait, should we do our, our spoiler alert? Before I before I spoil something, <laughs> you know, you're, you're thinking what I'm, I'm so thinking, sorry. which is I forgot to give a spoiler alert. If you haven't figured it out, we're going to spoil some of Yellowstone, and I guess I am I'm really getting ahead to my feelings about the show, where I'm assuming you will not want to watch it after you hear how we felt about it. But but to Diane's point earlier, it's a show for someone. It's a show for 9.3 million people. So if you are excited about the idea of watching uh, the family drama of the Duttons. Uh, we're going to spoil most of season one, definitely the first half of season one. We're not going to spoil anything beyond season one. So if you want to join us for some spoilers and then decide that you love the show and you want to check it out, uh, don't worry. There's there's literally four seasons of it, and we were definitely not going to go that far. I, I, I couldn't spoil it because I don't know what happens. Yes, I didn't even try to look it up. So now that that's out in the air, there's... A- there's a lot more murder on this show. Yeah, than on yeah. Uh huh. A lot of death on this show. Lot, lot of um, uh, people exploding. A lot of explosions on this show. More than Indeed. I would expect at a ranch, really. Yeah, and I know they mentioned that. Like, I think part of the pitch of the show is that it's it's this world that's remote, and so it's sort of like, I think they say at one point, it's like 45 minutes away from an ambulance all the time here, you know, like, yeah. they they are outside of our culture, and therefore, like, outside of our laws in some ways, and so they have their own sort of ethics that they've set up there, their own rules that they play by, but you still can't be killing people all the time, like, wouldn't that end? Like, it still seemed to me very... Uh, that that part must be fake, right? Is that that's not that world, is it? I you know you ask a great question. It's the it's how we glamorize that world. Uh, I I can't imagine yeah. it's how that world literally is. But of course, I'm a city slicker, and as they like to point out, things are different in the city. In the mm-hmm. city, you know, you can you can get stabbed on your way home, whereas in Yellowstone, you'll get exploded <laughs> and then shot. Not just not just exploded or shot. You'll get exploded and shot. Really want to make sure you get that job done. You you do you do. 
there there is a scene in one of the first episodes where Casey, the the really murderous youngest son of uh, Kevin Costner's patriarch, Casey is married to a Native American woman. And they are driving through a, a really desolate stretch. There, there's nothing around them. They're having an argument behind the wheel of the car. And at the exact moment they drive past a small house, the exact moment they drive past the only thing they've driven past for miles, that house explodes. Just explodes. And, uh, of course, we're, we're told it's a meth lab because it's, it's hard times out there. And you inject some real issues into your, your murder show. Um, mm. Uh, but of course, it's not enough for the meth lab to explode. Then Casey goes and finds a man who's heavily burned, not likely to survive, because they are very far from ambulances, and they are very far from help. And also, everyone else in his house, his family, is dead. And the man begs Casey to kill him. And so, yeah, Casey just shoots him. I know that he is suppo- he is supposed to be a veteran, right? Yes. So he has this like military experience, and he has some cowboy experience. He's always lassoing things. But... Is he a medic? I just would never feel so confident that I'd be like, you're never going to make you're it. You're absolutely <laughs> going to die. Well, that's why from a storytelling perspective, we needed the, the guy to beg to be shot. We, we needed to know this is what he wants, that, that euthanasia was the answer in this case. From a storytelling perspective, I thought they were laying it on a bit thick. I mean, <laughs> first, he, when, he, when he approaches the body, it's very dramatic. And the man is croaking like, Family. Yes, he family. does. He does literally croak the words "family" repeatedly, and and I and wonder, Case- like, your family? Any family? No, Casey's family. <gasps> oh. Oh. Mm. Mm. Think about the themes of the mm. show. One of the themes is family. <laughs> I'm led to believe that for many of the. Th- the scenes involving the family. And also, from the setup in the pilot, one of the things I noted in the pilot, so we have uh, Kevin Costner, who plays the patriarch, James, uh, John Dutton, and then we have multiple children, which in the pilot I felt like were one too many children. We had Beth, we had Casey, we had Jamie, and then we had the other one, who didn't have a lot of per- personality or details assigned to him, and there was just the other guy. There was just a- an additional son. And I was like, I can't figure out what his thing is. Everyone else had a pretty defined personality. Casey, Casey's the youngest one. He's the veteran who is married to the Native American woman, lives on the reservation, which causes tension with the family, and he's kind of a loose cannon. And then you got Beth, who is the the pill-popping, alcoholic, wise-ass moneymaker, uh, who seems to have lived in the city for a while and now is back to just be troublesome for everyone. Real male fantasy of a woman <laughs> who is going to, like, kick your ass with her, like, sometimes cowgirls, sometimes Boston accents. Yeah, yeah. She, they, they mentioned she came from a city, and, and I, I, just from her personality, it's like you just you painted a picture of any New England city. Like, yes, is she did she come from Boston, Philly? She just got an edge to her that I think mm-hmm. they explained she came from, like, Salt Lake or something, but that's not the edge they gave her. <laughs> and then there's one more son. There's Jamie, who's the one who wants to go into politics, and that is his his exact character description to period. And then Played there was... by Wes Bentley, Oscar nominee Wes Bentley, who is wonderful. I mean, like, the, uh, the, these are really great actors. They actually are fantastic chewing performances. Up, chewing up Montana scenery. And in a way, I think they're having a ball. And, I, and, and more power to them for it. 
I listened to some interviews with the cast and much unlike Succession, they love each other. It's like so like lovey-dovey family. There's none of this let's all throw Kendall under the bus nonsense. Well, they want to throw Kendall under the bus, but they're also so worried about him. But that's for <laughs> another podcast. Uh, you know, the the thing I want to get to is then there was the the third son, the fourth sibling. And I believe his name was Lee. That sounds right. You know, <laughs> I never even got his name because he he gets shot at the end of the episode. He's dead. And that's the inciting mm. crisis, essentially, of the series. Though quickly you completely forget about him. Right. I would say by episode three, I'm not sure they even reference that he has been killed. Maybe by episode four. I think a little bit because there are some issues with his remains. And yes, they do. They do. Um... And the events around his <laughs> oh. around his killing, but be and but beyond that, like his character, like the mourning of him, is uh, actually probably the the thing that the show handles most swiftly. Yeah, yeah they they There's... get that out of the way and they move on. Roll on. The more important plot point of that is that Casey also killed somebody in that same shoot shootout over cows because this is a cowboy show, and they're worried that Casey is going to get found out. Right. However, when Casey kills somebody uh, a couple episodes later, the police go, "It's okay. We understand why you shot that exploded man in the head, and uh, we're going to say we did it because that's a normal thing for the police to say is we euthanized this man." Casey shoots someone point blank. This is absolutely a spoiler, but we said we warned. Yeah, we we're, warned. we're way past that. In each of the first three episodes, he shoots someone in the head. Now that is that is so much shooting. Granted, that is like four and a half hours of television, but or no, three and a half. Yeah, the, like what? That's so like every episode he's killing someone. You think you could do like one in episode one one in episode four like sprinkle them throughout no they really want us to understand that casey uh kills people he is a veteran and he can work his way around a gun and seemingly will never ever ever go to prison for that but there's another character who is the enforcer <laughs> yeah that he's not even the enforcer because he's the problem child that's correct right right and it, he's it, like the sweet sensitive one Yes, he literally he just is. Loves he is, shooting people in yeah, the head. That is his. That's his character. Uh, and you know, the enforcer. Th there's this other plot that that is developing. That um, the Duttons and the Yellowstone Ranch are kind of like the Montana mob. They they mm. they have enforcers and they have people who they basically kind of turn into indentured servants who they brand like a like the way you would brand a cow. So there are these people that have these Ys branded into their chest, and they seemingly have to do whatever they're told to do after that. You know there are some people with that tattoo, right? I am, a yes, of course there are. That makes perfect sense. Mm. Like everyone who got a Horcrux tattooed on them at some point. Oh, man, before she was a turf. And <sighs> oof. That, um, so the Enforcer character, too, whose name is Rip, which... um is rich i like it uh rip also has a, a sort of uh on again off again will they won't they with the daughter beth, beth. Dutton. Mm -hmm. yeah so um one of the things that i was looking up is like what do people tweet about this show um even though it might not be the most tweeted about show um someone's watching it and tweeting about it and there were lots of like rip 
thirst tweets from middle-aged women. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just really enjoyed. And a lot of like um uh people shipping Rip and Beth. So yeah. The fandom is here for it. I, you know, in a way, happy for them. I really enjoyed the scene uh where Rip and Beth go get drunk in a car while they watch some like wolves eat a carcass. Mm-hmm. That was really romantic. I was like, yes, of course, that's what they want to do. That's how they bond. Uh, but at the same time, the, the backstory for Beth, really problematic for me. That Beth, mm. Beth is to blame for the family's mother's death. Which I think that we've seen, that's like a trope, right? That like yeah. the mom dies in childbirth and this kid is treated like it's their fault. Like in on this, Game of Thrones, that yes, happens. In this case, you know? the mom dies on horseback and and Beth is blamed for it, despite the fact that, that the mom could have gotten help sooner and might have lived if she hadn't been a total dick about it. Like, she gets knocked off her horse because Beth spooks her horse, essentially, and, and then insists that Beth ride to go get help because this is Beth's fault. And Beth then gets lost because she's not good on horseback, which is the whole reason the accident happened in the first place. And she's a child while all this is happening. Yes. So it's not just like, oh, like I'm carrying this guilt or like secretly my family like is blaming me for this. No, her mom is like, if I die, it'll be your fault, basically. Yes. I mean, yes. Literally, I quoted the, the mom at the beginning of episode three in this flashback to, to the accident. The mom says, if this is the last thing I see, so be it. Just the most fatalistic thing a mother of four could ever say to her children to her children she's all she's just so cruel and i mean both of the women characters who we've encountered i guess we've also encountered monica who is uh casey's wife who's kind of a non-character though she's she, her I mean, character she's description really, is wife is wife yeah mm -hmm. a pretty wife uh but both beth and the and the mom are like just so cruel yeah, truly. And of course, like like mother, like daughter, I guess they're saying there. They're trying to draw a line for us. Uh, but I, I found that to be such an aggressively blunt backstory. And then, just to spice that up, later in that episode, John Dutton, Kevin Costner, is with his grandson, Casey's young son, and almost lets him drown through neglect, essentially. And, and that is not the only time Casey's son is almost killed in the first three episodes. <laughs> And is virtually abandoned, too. Like, you'd think after the first time you leave your kid in a dicey situation, he almost dies. You might be like, well, I'll keep a closer eye on you. Nope. Especially for someone like Casey, who is part of his backstory is that he witnessed his mother's death, you know? Like, no, it's just so absurd. God bless that little child actor. Oh, He's yeah. He's doing a good job almost getting bitten by a rattlesnake, almost drowning in the river, almost freezing to death from hypothermia. He is really nailing it with the near-death experiences. That's in three episodes. Those things all they happen over the course of two episodes. Pack it in. Just really, it's really pack dense, it in for you. It's a really dense show. Uh, one, one of the things, you know, to, to get back to the, the kind of obvious comparisons to Succession... The, the one thing that really struck me about it is both both of these shows have one thing in common with the, the patriarch story, the success, succession mm -hmm. story, is that 
the status quo of the show will remain because that's how you have a show. The status quo is that the patriarch will still be in charge and the kids will still be vying for his love and power. And that, spoiler alert, is true through every season of Succession so far. That is true from what I understand in every season of Yellowstone because, spoiler alert, Kevin Costner is still the star of Yellowstone. Uh, And so the status quo remains. The difference is... uh, in a typical episode of Succession, I feel like a lot of power dynamics shift and change and a lot of things happen. Mm. And in the episodes of Yellowstone that we've seen so far, there there is never a moment where I think the power is shifting. No. And there's also, I think Succession allows for a lot of um, complexity in character motivation. And in uh, so sometimes you see someone behaving in a way that's just... Uh, it approaches absurdity in the sense that you're like, oh, I don't know why someone would do that, but I believe it because this is a world in which people are um, making decisions sometimes against their own interests because, like, they're they have complex motivations. Yeah. Whereas um, Yellowstone, I almost called the Yellow Jackets. That's why I had to pause. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, they have to deal with these absurd decisions because there are rattlesnakes during shootouts during i just drove by and this woman might be attempted rape it's like oh my oh, god yeah oh just, the the oh oh i blacked out and that that's part like a sea plot you know yeah uh oh geez the flashbacks to two days ago when i watched that are vivid uh you know the the other <laughs> the, the other difference i'd see there is on succession we're meant to think of the the Roy's family as being out of touch they're not in touch with reality they're extremely hyper wealthy individuals who do things that we find reprehensible because they are so out of touch with what we would consider normal life whereas Mm -hmm. on six um whereas on yellow uh, i almost did it too whereas on yellow stone we are meant to see these people as being so grounded and so in touch with the way the things are in real life in the West and how that's real and deep. And and I just, it, it's absurd. It, it would be more fun if it treated them with the, the kind of self-awareness that we get on a show like Succession, not to, to continuously compare it to a show that I wished I was watching the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I do think they're both dealing with, like, this sort of, like, dynastic American family and, like, this, well, I guess, you know, dynastic international family on one of them. But um, I wonder how much that is, like, a moment reflecting on our current politics and if it can be read into that, like, you know, neither of these families is the Trumps, but there is the one daughter and the two fuck-up sons and the father who's, you know, breaking laws left and right. It does sort of feel Trumpian. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think either of them have that simple of a political line, but I think it's hard to ignore the politics that Yellowstone seems to be flirting with oh yellowstone literally name checks the inheritance tax in episode three uh the politics of yellowstone are are front and center in in a lot of ways and they aren't totally binary there there is a little more 
interesting kind of uh, shades of gray to the the politics there with the relationship with the the Native American reservation and with the governor who the governor of Montana who John Dutton is sleeping with that there's something there but on the whole yeah they really want you to know that in real America we have these real ways of dealing with things Mm. and there's this idea of like an old and it is white and it is patriarchal way of life that they are preserving against intruders and the fact that they made so the character what is his name rainwater what's yeah what's thomas's name okay thomas rainwater. the character who is the new chief of the uh native reservation is a part of his backstory is that he's not uh, he didn't grow up on the reservation he didn't grow up in this part of the world he's from denver or something some big city and that he discovered later in life that he had this heritage and then like grew into this role. So even the native people in this show are interlopers on this like white family's land, which is deeply troubling to me. Yes. I think that was the part that I was like, oh boy. Yes, I'm actually glad you got there. This is a good place to kind of come full circle on the the conversation in a lot of ways, because one piece of optimism, not the only one, uh, to, to be fair, I went with an open mind, admittedly a lot of my mind made up, but an open mind. Uh, and and one thing I was looking forward to was seeing how they handled a, a show with a real Native American plot, not just, oh, there are some Native American characters, but like I said, Casey is married to a, a Native American character and lives on the reservation. Thomas Rainwater is a major character in the pilot. But the way that they handle it quickly turns into a kind of Cowboys and Indians story. And spoiler alert, the Duttons are the Cowboys, and mm. the Indians are the Indians. And like you said, they, they treat the natives whose land whose land we are all sitting on uh, as the interlopers trying to uh, encroach on the Dutton land, which is just a little maddening. The native characters are really greedy. One of them is incredibly cruel. It's like... I, and, you know, some of the Duttons have those qualities, too, but they're given so much more depth, at least in the beginning of the first season. I can't speak for the series as a whole, but I, I was pretty troubled by by their characterization. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like, Gil Birmingham is a great actor, but he's not given much to to make complex in this in this teleplay. So, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that, w- that was a disappointment to me. And to throw back to a show we mentioned way earlier in this episode, uh, Rutherford Falls has a way more dynamic and realistic portrayal of Native American life uh, and has actual Native American cast members playing most of the Native American roles, which is hit or miss on Yellowstone, and has actual Native American writers involved in the writer's room. And so... I don't know. I, I was hoping, as you know, a fan of Succession, a, a real knock against Succession is it is the whitest show on TV. And I thought, hey, here's going to be a dynastic show that has a little more of a spectrum to it. And it, it definitely did not fulfill that promise. No, certainly, at, le- at least not in these first episodes. Which, and, and, and maybe that's part of where the show grows. I'm not I'm not sure. I, but I'm not optimistic about how it would be handled based on what we've seen. I was about to say, I am not sure, but I am not optimistic either. Mm-hmm. And and listen, if you have seen more of Yellowstone and you, listener, want to tell us how wrong we are, you can tweet at us. 
Uh, I am on Twitter at I am Chris Barlow and Diane. I am on Twitter as well at at Diane Nora. Diane has two N's. Chris, There's... I have a confession. Yes, though. yes. I think I'm going to keep watching. Oh, <laughs> at least oh. for a while. Oh, I, you I went really there. am. I, listen, we agreed to watch. We agreed to watch three episodes each, and I did watch four. And it is sitting at the top of my queue on my Apple TV now because it knows I've been watching it, and I could see myself continuing. And maybe this is why Yellowstone is the most popular show on cable. I love horses. This, the, listen, <laughs> we didn't so even talk about. Horses. We didn't even talk about. We've gone long, but I have to mention the opening image of the series is a truck accident, and Kevin Costner is soothing a horse that's been injured in this, like, truck turnover, and then Kevin Costner shoots the horse in the head to put it out of its misery. If that plot sounds familiar, it is also the cold open to the TV show House of Cards, in which Kevin Spacey's character... Uh, witnesses a car accident where a car has hit a dog and Mercy kills the dog in the first shots of the show. Well, it's okay. Since House of Cards is no longer something you can enjoy, <laughs> it, that, that cold open is fair game again. It's true. Kevin uh, Costner is the good Kevin. It's true. It's true. And listen, I definitely will watch more of Yellowstone before I watch any of House of Cards. I like to think that uh, the people who wrote these episodes read the uh, screenwriting book, Save the Cat, that tells you to show your character doing something noble at the beginning of a screenplay. So people are on their side and they're like, oh, no, no, we'll kill the animals the first thing you see. Well, you know, what I loved about that scene is he kills the horse, which was already like, oh, I'm here. I'm ready to watch whatever caused this to happen. And then, then after killing the horse, he goes to check on the guy driving the truck that turned over, who's dead. But but I was like, your your order of priority there really says a lot about the character. First, I need mm-hmm. to talk to the horse, soothe the horse, apologize to the horse, kill the horse. Then, if I've got some time, I'll see if there's a dead guy or a living guy in the, the cap of the truck. Honestly, not that important. Tony Soprano and Pai oh Mai. <laughs> it's just, it all comes full circle. I watch too much television. Hey, that's why we're here, to watch too much television, which is what we, we just did for this first episode of Streamageddon. And if you liked it, please rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Streamageddon. Tell a friend about Streamageddon. We are at streamageddon.com. We have the .com. Somehow, in 2022, nobody registered that. I can't believe there was even a .com left to be had. Miracles happen. And miracles will happen when you join us again here on Streamageddon. Streamageddon.